now as we turn our attention to the Word of God. And uh, I'm remembering as I was sitting in our warmed house and uh, enjoying a nice, comfortable shower and food about all the people that are in the world today that don't have heat, uh, those who are homeless and sleeping on the streets, uh, those who don't know where their next meal is coming from. And we say that Jesus is the reason for the season. Well, the way that we express the purpose for which Jesus came is that we become his hands, his eyes, his ears, his feet, his mouth, his, his sense of smell. And so who are you blessing this year that cannot bless you back? Who are you blessing this year? Now, I was just telling uh, Pastor Heyman that now that my wife is retiring, you know, unless the Lord makes me a millionaire, if I could, I would bless way more than I, I, I just really get a thrill out of being in a position to give. Um, I don't want to be broke. Somebody say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. But who can you bless with a meal, with a kind word? With a, we got, when the folks get on the prayer line, they've got all these wonderful things that they've read and uh, so we got some singers, Sister Jack and Sister, other sisters and brothers that get on the line and they can actually sing. We don't want everybody singing on the line. But you can sing a song to somebody. Amen? Amen. So plan to be a blessing and don't broadcast it. Do it privately. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing as God uses you in that way. Now turn your attention again to Acts chapter 21. And I, I want to begin in verse 7, where it says, if you have it, say amen. amen. And when we had finished our voyage from Tyra and Ptolemus, to Ptolemus greeted the brethren and stayed with them one day, on the next day we who were Paul's companions departed and we came to Caesarea and entered into a house to Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven and stay, one of the seven original deacons. And uh, what I want to read is verse 10. It says, and we stayed many days. A certain prophet named Agabus, say Agabus, came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt. Now, I ain't taking my belt off because my pants will fall. And he bound his own hands and feet, and he said, Thus saith the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Verse 12, Now when we heard these things, both we and those who were in that place pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem, but God said yes. So Paul said, no, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for all that you are saying in our hearts and in, in the fact that you have brought us in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I do know that if you allow the Lord to speak to your heart today, that you will find yourself encouraged. Don't trust your feelings. Trust what God has said in his word about your circumstances. You are loved. 
And I pray that no one would leave here today without experiencing the love of Christ. You should be better when you leave the church, not bitter. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Amen. When I thought about how to uh, start the sermon as we continue the blueprint of the New Testament church, uh, a portrait from the book of Acts about how the New Testament church began through prayer, through the Holy Spirit, uh, the power through signs and wonders, uh, through giving to the needy, not to the greedy, uh, through dealing with people who played with God's money, Ananias and Sapphira, don't play with God's money. And then we talked about bring your, how we should bring our problems to the Lord where the first seven deacons were chosen to meet the needs of the needy and not the greedy. And then we talked about last time, we actually talked about when you think you're right, but you're wrong. Paul thought he was right to persecute the church, but he was actually wrong. And on last Sunday, we discovered that both can be true. God can hate sin and love sinners. Somebody say amen. God can call you to wear a crown, but you also are going to wear a cross. So the crown and the cross are both in the same hall. Where opportunity is, you will also face great opposition. Both can be true. Today we're going to talk about how we should say no because God said yes. God said yes. Um, I'm going to read some scripture to you that will help us uh, in verse 10. I've already read about Agabus. Uh, in verse 13 of chapter 21, we actually looked at that as well. So I shared some time ago about a young six-year-old boy named Mason. And he was really excited about going to school for the first time as a first grader. And as he was thinking about going to school for that first day, he thought about the three teeth that he had lost on the day that he was going to have his picture taken for, for picture taking day. That was the first day of class. And so when he got to school, uh, the photographer said to him when it was time for him to take his picture, he said, take your mask off. And Mason said, politely, no. And then the photographer said, well, why not? He said, well, my mother said that I should wear my mask at all times except for when I'm eating and when I'm far away from other people. And then the photographer said, well, I'm sure your mother wouldn't mind for you to take your mask off just for this short period to take a picture and then Mason replied, I never disobey my mother. When mom says no, I say yes to mom's no's. I want you to know that God will reveal things to you. And this is a very difficult sermon. I want you to pray for me. This is heavy duty. And to hear it, I'm asking that you have ears to hear and a spirit to receive. That there are things that God is going to tell you to do that make no sense to other people. And because he said to you 
that you cannot and you should not and you must not. He said no because of a specific call on your life. Even when others have an issue with it, you need to be able to say yes because God said yes. We're going to see that in Paul's life. The people that love Paul, let me, let me not jump ahead. This is, this is, let me we're going through this. So we want to say no because God has said yes. There, there are times when well-intended people, including your spouse, parents, siblings, leaders in the church, and mature Christian friends will strongly disagree with vision choices that you feel God has led you to make. Your decisions for life should be based on vision and not the reverse. Don't make your decisions and then try to fit your vision into the decisions. Choose your actions and make your plans based on vision, based on vision. Stay with me. They will even give you scripture and say, God told me to tell you to do this or not to do that. Here's my favorite thing that people will say to you when you tell them that this is what God is directing me to do through the vision he gave me. They will say, there's a wisdom in the multitude of counselors. Is that verse true? Yes. But often it is used by people who are standing in the way of what God told you to do because what they're saying is until God shows it to us, we're not supporting it. Now, when you really support a God-given vision, your first response should be, how can we make it happen? Not why we can't make it happen. Not let's dissect this thing. Let's evaluate this. No, if it doesn't go against the word of God, you may not see it. But if it violates scripture, then you will see that. But if God gives the vision to you, and you share it with others, their first response, wives, follow your husbands, obey your husband. You, have, you should have a vision. And, and ladies, don't you even consider marrying a man who doesn't have a vision for his life. If he doesn't know where he is going, how can he lead you? And all you're going to be is very frustrated. You're going to be very frustrated. You must have the courage to say no because God said yes as a single man or a woman, when God says no to sexual temptation, you must say, yes, God, I'm going to submit by fleeing from youthful temptation. You must say no when God says it's better to marry than to burn in lust. Get married. Don't play house. Don't live with somebody that's not willing to marry you. They just, they're testing it out. No, you want to test it out. You don't get to take it home and eat it all up and then say you may not want it. No. When God says no, we have to say in obedience, yes, we will do what you said. God says yes to presenting our bodies as a, God says no to us being in charge of our bodies. He says, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable 
which is your reasonable spiritual act of worship, act of worship, that's what God, God says no to our flesh, and he says yes to surrender, and we must say yes. If you say present your body, I'm going to present my body as a living sacrifice. It's very valuable and important to understand that too many of us as Christians, we do not live by vision. We live by busyness. We live by assignments that other people give us, not by directives that God has preordained before you were even formed in your mother's womb. Busyness is not the same thing as living a life that is directed by vision. One of the reasons why so many people are miserable, making more money than you've ever made, is because you are existing and not living. You don't begin to live until your life is directed by vision. And so one of the reasons why we can still be blessed by the ministry of the Apostle Paul today is because he followed the vision that God gave for his life. Now, let me just say this as we get ready to unpack the scriptures, is that there are at least four types of visions. One type of vision is personal. Every single one of us has been given by God a vision, a direction, a destiny for our lives. We need to discover that. Before you talk about I do and settling down with somebody and I can't wait to get somebody, what has God placed you on this planet to accomplish this personal vision. Then there's called what is corporate vision. And, and personal vision, let me add, and, and, and cor- personal vision, my, who am I going to marry? Where do I go to school? Where do I work? Where am I going to live? How much, God, how much what am I going to earn? I, I, what kind of relationship should I have? All that's a part of personal vision. Then there's what's called corporate vision, where that involves making decisions for the church, Uh, making decisions for companies and clubs. Then there's the national vision, the kind of vision that you have, like the president of the United States. He has a vision for the country. There's a vision for states and governments and so forth. That's the larger. So you see, personal starts with you. Corporate extends beyond you. National extends beyond cities and to, to, a whole, to a whole country. And there's what's called the universal vision. Universal, say universal. God gave Abraham a universal vision. He said, through your seed, all of the nations of the world will be blessed. We are still recipients of the Abrahamic blessing. We are still being impacted by the blessing. So the vision that God, every vision, no matter if it's national corporate or universal, will always start off as personal. Some of us, God will give the kind of vision that God gave to Abraham that includes the world. That's not all of us, but some individuals like Abraham, Moses, and others. And so we want to be very, 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 very clear on that. I talked about this before. Vision is seeing the end from the beginning. It is It is, uh, vision has to do with um, your most preferred outcome. How would you like to see something when it's finished? What would it look like if it became what you think it should be? Vision is based on a passion or compulsion to change what is around you to be what it could and should be. Vision 
is God's burden that he places in your heart that you literally feel an obligation that if you don't do something to make it better, you can't rest. And, and you, you, you just know that it is your responsibility to do. There ought to be something in your heart that burns within you that causes you to know that there's something more that God has given you to do. Now, let, let me run on. Let me run on. Are you still with me? All right. So say no because God said yes. In order to do that, you must know what God, you must know what God has said no to so that you can say yes. You need to know what God has said no to, yes to, so that you will not collapse under pressure. I'm going to read that again. You must know what God has said no to so you can say yes when under pressure. Now, I want to revisit with you from Acts chapter uh, 9, verse 14. Remember when God called, I want to revisit the, what God had said no to in Paul's life. And that is the vision uh, for Paul's life. Paul knew God's vision for his life. In verse 14, God said regarding Paul, he says, you are going to preach the gospel, proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles, to kings, and to the nation of Israel. But primarily, the vision for Paul's life was that he was going to be God's mouthpiece to Gentiles, to non-Jews. But the second part of that was, you will suffer many things for my name's sake. So Paul's, the call on, the vision for Paul's life was to preach, to teach, and to reach, and to replicate ministry through the Gentiles while suffering greatly for the Lord. That was God's vision for Paul's life. Remember that. That when you are clear on what God's vision for your life is, what your education, who you should marry, God said, don't be unequally yoked. We know that. God said, live set apart lives in terms of how you possess your own body and honor. We know that. And so the things that we know will help us to understand what God has said yes to. And even though the world says we should do, we have to respond by saying no. Now, the same God, the same God who gave Paul the vision to reach the Gentiles by preaching and teaching and replicating through discipleship, he gave a different vision to Peter, James, and John. They were another team. And I want to read Galatians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. We're going somewhere, y'all. Say, we're going somewhere. For God, who was at work in Peter and the apostles, Peter, James, and John, to the circumcised, to the Jews, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. Paul's saying, God gave me a distinct vision for my ministry than he gave to Peter, James, and John. The ministry or the vision for your life that God has predetermined is going to be different from the vision that he gave me. Now, if it's a corporate vision, you can bring your personal vision under the, the larger vision. That is, that's when you decide on what church you go to. Does the corporate vision of that church line up with your personal vision in terms of your own spiritual growth? That's how you make a decision about where to serve, where to worship, where to use your gifts. Are you with me? He says, Peter, uh, James and Cephas and John, stay with me, we're going to figure it out. 
those who esteem, who are esteemed pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. It says, they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles, the vision that God gave to us. Paul had a ministry team that, were, that was involved with church planning. They reached, they taught, and they discipled Gentiles. He said, they agreed that we should go to the Gentiles, and they through the Jews. That was God's vision for them. The vision for them was different from the vision that God had given to Paul. What vision has God given you for your life? What vision, based on your gifts and your talents and your experiences, you don't have to be like the next person. What you do have to be like is the uniquely designed person that God has made you. Now, God accomplishes its vision for your life by providing you with people that will agree to support the vision. You cannot have true unity until you come into agreement with the vision of the visionary. So if you marry somebody and they don't agree with how to raise children, how to have, how many children they have, and you don't, we, no, this is my money, no, you can, and you got, if you have, the Bible says that a house that is divided against itself will not what? It will not stand. And so what we see is what God will do when he gives you a vision, like he gave Paul, and then he gave Peter, James, and John to the Jews, and Paul to the Gentiles through his ministry team, you will not have true unity unless the people that are working with you are in agreement. And what, what we see in the word, it says they agreed, they agreed. In order for vision to be accomplished, you can have the greatest vision in the world, but surrounded by people who don't agree with your vision. That vision is not going anywhere. A house divided will not stand. You have, you have to have, like Paul, Peter, James, and John, they had a core team of supporters that God placed in their life. Everybody is not going to agree with the vision that God has given you, but the people that are closest to you, as a pastor, the elders and the deacons, they have to be, even when they don't understand or even when there is friction, they have to ultimately be willing to come under the vision that God gives to the pastor or the visionary in order for division not to creep in. Somebody say amen. Paul was a church planner, Peter, James, and John were responsible for using their, they were a core team. Peter, James, and John was a team. Uh, Paul had, he had Silas, he had Barnabas, he had Timothy, he had Luke, he had Aquila and Priscilla, and they went from town to town establishing churches. That was his ministry team. That was his core team. And when the, the crowds wanted to stone Paul, he always could fall back on the support from his inner circle, that core team. You have to have people around you that are close enough to you that even when times are most difficult, they will come and support the vision. There cannot be true unity unless there is agreement. We often talk about unity, but are you in agreement with vision? Are you willing to come under the direction of the vision that God has given to the Paul or to the Peter, James, and John? Now, remember... Paul, when he originally started his ministry, he, he, he had a team of Barnabas and Mark. Mark was the cousin of, of, of Barnabas. And the first time they ran into hardship, Mark said, I see you, but I hate to 
He, 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 he checked out. He got, he got ghosts. And so when Paul got ready to go on his second missionary journey, and Barnabas said, let me go find Mark. And Paul said, ain't no way. And so the Bible says in Acts chapter 15 that they disagreed so strongly that they got into a heated argument that they, 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 was, they decided that we can't come into unity about this. So Barnabas, recognizing that the vision was given to Paul, decided to separate because the vision, sometimes it's necessary to separate from people who will not support the vision. It's better, to, I say to people, if the vision that God has given to me as a pastor doesn't agree with what you think should be happening, you're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong place. And, and so Paul and Barnabas, as tight as they were, they agreed that the, that the vision was more important than their personality differences. They still loved each other, and you'll see later on that Barnabas and Mark come back into the picture, but they separated. And so God raised up Silas for Paul, who was not a yes man, but Silas had no problem with moving on with Paul, even if it didn't include Mark. Remember, in the, here's a classic example of this. God gives a vision to Moses. He says, send out the, the, the 12 spies are sent out into the land that God had promised Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12. They finally are on the, on the very outskirts of the land. They're in a place called Kadesh of Barnea. You can almost smell the fruit. You can see the trees. You can see everything that God promised. And so God said to the 12 through Moses, the visionary, send them out for 40 days, 40 nights, and then let them come back and just tell the people if what I said was true is what they saw. They came back, 10 of the 12 spies, leaders in the church, leaders in the congregation. And they started off good. What we saw is just what God said. If they had stopped there. But when we looked at them and compared ourselves to them, we looked like grasshoppers in our own sight. And we know that's how we must have appeared to them. They're giants in the land. There is no way that I can get that degree. There's no way I can move into that house. There's no way I'll get that job. There's no way that I'll ever get married. This, so they, they basically said what God says, go and look and come back and see and share what, if what I said was true, it's true. They came back and they gave a negative report. And the people believed the majority report. But Caleb and Joshua separated they said, if God said that we can possess this, we're going to stand behind the visionary. We're going to stand behind Moses. And what God did, what was only Caleb and Joshua, really, Moses never even made it into the promised land, nor did Aaron because Moses disobeyed God. So he never fulfilled all of the vision that God had given, from him, given to him. But there are times when if you don't agree with the visionary that, and the vision that was given, it's better to separate because you can find yourself all in the wilderness and never entering into the promise. You must be willing to separate, and that's what they did. They separated. So you need to know the vision. The vision for Paul's life is you will proclaim my gospel to the Jews, to the Gentiles, to kings. You'll stand before kings. And you also reach out to the Jews, but the Jews are going to reject it when you preach it. They'll receive it when Paul, James, and Peter preach it, and you will suffer many things. Do you have a vision statement for your life? Do you know what the end looks like for your life? 
You need to take time moving into 2023 as a husband, as a wife, as a single woman. Don't wait until he comes. When he comes, then I'll know. No, no, when she comes. No, no. What is God saying to you about where he is taking you moving beyond not just 2023, but into the next five and ten years of your life? Where are you going? Busyness is not the same thing as a blessed life. And one of the tricks of the devil is to so distract us, to so keep us involved with just being overloaded and over, uh, just inundated with information that we are out here, we're just being pushed along in life, just going into like a tidal wave. We're just going wherever the next thing takes us, but we're not living by vision. Vision allows you to accomplish great things. So the first thing is you need to know what God has said no to before you can say yes. Paul clearly knew what God says. You no longer can persecute the church, but yes, you can serve me in a specific area of vision. Now, here's the second thing. You must be willing to pay the cost to accomplish God's vision for your life. Say, I must be willing to pay the cost to accomplish vision. Now, I want to look at verse chapter 20, verses 22 through 24. Listen to what Paul, he, now he's giving more detail. He's at a pastor's conference, and he's teaching elders about ministry and what they can expect and, and, and how to feed the flock and how to develop people and how to keep false teachers and, and false doctrine out of the church. And so he, he, he says this. He kind of pauses in the middle of an instruction, and he says in verses 22 through 24, and now... Compelled by the Holy Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship is facing me. Oh, what a vision. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish. Here it is. The race, the vision and complete the task that the Lord Jesus Christ has given me, the task of testifying of the good news of God and his grace. He never lost sight of his vision. Vision will keep you going when you feel like quitting. So now, why was Paul willing to pay the price? Why was he willing to pay the cost? We say we want to accomplish great things for God, but we ain't getting up early. We ain't going to read our Bible any more than about five minutes a day, (laughs) if that. We ain't telling nobody about Jesus. We sure ain't pushing no plate away. And we sure aren't going to turn down an opportunity to make more money if the Lord says, that's not what I want you to do. How much are you willing to pay to accomplish the vision that God gave to you? Here's how Paul was able to move past what we get get stuck with or or, or hindered by. He said, I am now compelled by the Spirit. The Greek word he uses literally means I'm tied up. I'm I'm bind. I'm captive. I'm incarcerated by the Holy Spirit. 
He said, this thing of going to Jerusalem and telling people about Jesus, he, I don't, he said, I'm obligated. It's a necessity. I feel pushed. I feel driven. I got a passion. Something in my gut just makes me not be able to say, I'm not going to go. Paul says, I'm compelled. I'm compelled. He says, it's the Holy Spirit is constraining me, urging me. Pushing me forward. You have, is anything in your life pushing you forward? Do you have initiative to take, do you have the initiative to go forward about anything in your life? Other than I got to go to work today, I got to get clothes. He's living just like a treadmill life. You're in a revolving door. Paul said, I am compelled. I can't help this. I'm consumed by the thought that there are people who are Gentiles that will never know Jesus because I didn't share with them. I got to tell everybody that I come in contact with about the Jesus that I met on the road heading to Damascus. And I got to tell them that I once was lost, but now I'm found. And once I tell them about Jesus, if they say yes, I got to figure out how I'm going to help them to grow in the knowledge and the admonition. I can't let this thing go. Is there anything, one of the ways that you know you're ready to get married is you'll have a compulsion that you can't go any, you, you, you feel like you can't go on with your, in your life without the person that God gave you. That's the way you ought to feel. You don't want them to go. You want them to, you want to be around them all the time. Of course, we don't do that. We burn each other out. But there's a compulsion. Somebody say amen. I ain't talking about lust. I ain't talking about your genes or your glands. Paul says, this is, this is what, why Paul was able to pay the price. There's something on the inside when it's vision that God gave you that won't leave you alone. Here's another thing. What makes saying no because God said yes difficult? What makes saying no? Paul says, again, going back to the vision, you will suffer many things for my name's sake. That's one of the reasons. And then he says, I'm compelled to go to Jerusalem. And all that I know, every city that I go to, what the Holy Spirit reveals to me, what's waiting for you is chains and hardship. And when you think about that, here's what makes vision hard. This is why we don't want to pay the price. This is why we haven't counted the cause. We'll pay all kinds of prices to stay young and to get our faces right, and et cetera. But how much are you willing to pay to be in the center of the will of God and accomplishing vision for your life? Because legacy, now vision establishes legacy that lives behind you. Come, stay with me. So, Here's one of the reasons why it's hard. Leaving, our, it makes you leave, you have to leave your comfort zone. Paying the price for vision, for things to be better, for you, for, for you to be a part of what God is doing. You've got you've to be willing to be uncomfortable, to be inconvenient. Paul was at a, at a pastor's conference. He was a keynote speaker. He was waxing eloquent about what the elders and the pastors should do. And then he said, but I'm being compelled. I got to go from this comfortable place, this conference, this Sunday morning service. Yeah, I love Jesus at church, but you got to leave here. You got to say no to your flesh. And so getting out of your comfort zone, we, we're, su we're such creatures of habit. When's the last time you even drove home a different way? 
Somebody said the room was painted. I'm like, when did they paint the room? Six months ago? How do, brother, we get at this. How do we miss so much? We are so, we just want to be comfortable. We don't, we want to chill. We want to, we think go easy. We don't want no, uh, no upset in our day. If you're going to accomplish vision, you are going to be inconvenienced. It is going to be difficult. You will have to leave your comfort zone. You will have to try things that you never thought you would do before. You've got to be willing. Paul said, I press towards the mark. He said, with every fiber, with every muscle, with every ounce of strength that I have, I am moving toward the call that God has on my life. That's the kind of commitment. Like the runners who get up early in the morning preparing for a bout. They, 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 they change their diet. Well, I want to lose weight. And that's my thing. I want to be in such great shape as I get younger that I don't want God not to be able to use me because I'm too fat. And I'm, I'm about to pass out. And so all those sweet potato pies Lemon meringue and all of those things. Yeah, I want, but you, you can do that in moderation. Thank you, Jesus. But I want to be in the best shape that I can be in. So that Paul says that I might not be disqualified. I want to run the race that the Lord has set before me. I want to keep the faith and I want to fight the good fight. Are you willing to leave your comfort zone? What routines do you need to break? What are you willing to do that will inconvenience you that the Lord has told you to go pick somebody up for church? Call them. Spend time with them. You can't make a disciple by just thinking about it. you got to give your time and invest it to, to help people. Leave your comfort zone. Paul had to leave this place called Miletus to go to Jerusalem. So that's why it's hard. Here's, here's another thing. You've got you to be willing to lose control, which means you've got to trust God. Paul says, I know that the Holy Spirit keeps saying hardship and change, but he says, this Stuff that I don't know that's going to happen. He said, I'm not clear of all the details. That's what messes us up. We want to know, Jesus says, we will get to the other side, but he didn't say that between there and here, there's going to be a storm. There's going to be difficulties in your marriage. Your children are going to act a fool. The money's going to be funny. Your health is not going to always cooperate between here and there. So Paul says, there are things that I don't know. So that means that you've got to trust God for what you can't control. If the vision is from God, you will not be able to control it. If you can control it, it's not from God. If you know every detail, that, that's not a vision. God said, Paul, you will preach and you will suffer. And that's, that was it. Mo, uh, Abraham, leave your friends and your comfort zone. But he didn't say between then and, and when, where he was leaving. He, uh, uh, he didn't even tell Abraham where he was going. He just said, go, go. <laughs> what is the goal that God is telling? So you got to be willing to lose control. Here's another thing. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in spite of what he reveals to you. And so he said, I know that when I get there, they're going to be changed. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be difficult, but I'm still being led by the Spirit. Here's the hard part. We think that God is at work when it's easiest in our life. No. Paul says that I want to be identified with his suffering. 
Because when, when I am identified with his suffering, that means that I am in the world and not of the world. Because when you're in the world, not of the world, people are going to hate you. But if everybody loves you, you're not in the ring. And so when the Lord tells you in your vision that there's going to be suffering, there's going to be pain, are you still willing? Now, we started off with a great number of folk praying on the line. And I'm just, I'm watching. See, how long are you going to stay? How long are you going to hang in there? Well, I've been praying for six months, and I still didn't get a six-cent raise. I've been praying for all this time, and I, and I still can't get this, get in the size three. And I've been praying. You've been praying for the wrong reason. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in spite of what he reveals to you, that it's going to be hard. You're going to be around people who can't stand you, and you never did anything to them. The Holy Spirit may say, I know you want to get married, but my desire for you is that you remain single. Somebody say amen. amen. Paul said, I wish that all of you were like me. He said, for it's better to be single than to be married. Yeah. I heard that, Sister Val. <laughs> Let the Holy Spirit lead you. See, the Lord can reveal something else to you as you're being led. But he's not obligated to reveal anything new to you when you haven't obeyed what he already showed you. Let me, let me hurry on. Now, how was Paul able to do this? How was he able to say no because God said yes about going to Jerusalem when everybody else was saying no? He said, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and to complete the task that the Lord. Why was he able? Because he knew it was from the Lord. It was a task that God gave him. Vision is greater than you. Say, vision is greater than me. When it comes from the Lord. Say, when it comes from the Lord. And listen to this. Anything that prevents you from filling the Lord's vision in your life is a distraction. If you're not moving towards vision, you are just, you're living a distracted life. Paul said, my greatest aim, my focus, my purpose, my agenda is to accomplish the task that the Lord gave me. What is the task? You need to get that clear. Don't be climbing the ladder of success only to get to the top and realize you were in the wrong building. How was he able? He knew the task. I only exist to fulfill the purposes for God that he's already turned for life. What has God purposed for you? You will not find true fulfillment until you're walking in that. That's why the devil doesn't mind you being busy. He don't mind you. I read my Bible every day. I have devotions every day. But do you have a vision for your life? Where's God leading you? Are you really being conformed to the image of Christ? Are you better than you were two years ago because you moved beyond where you were then in Jesus towards the outcome? Here's the thing that I like about it. I remember Caleb. Caleb, when they finally settled in the land, Caleb said, I'm 80 years old. He said, but Give me this mountain. My vision's not. Age doesn't determine if vision is God is done with you. So give me this mountain. God ain't done with me yet. Paul's primary purpose was vision. Vision is bigger than you. It's greater than you. It will outlive you when it's from God. Now, let me, let me, let me finish with this. You need to know what God has already said to say yes when others are trying to get you to say no. You need to recognize that God 
requires a cost to be paid. Say there's a cost. Now, let me finish with this. You'll still see the eagles. <clears throat> the third thing is this. Write this down. You need spiritual discernment to say no because God said yes. You need discernment. Now, I'm going to show you some things, and you've got to really tune into this. Separate personal pain from divine purpose takes discernment. In the original language in Greek, Acts chapter 21 starts off where the elders that Paul has been teaching at my leaders, he says to them, I am leaving and you'll never see me again. And the Bible says that they begin to cry and to cling to him. And he, the scripture said he literally had to push them away in order to board the boat. They did not want Paul to leave. They wanted to see him again. And so when, you, when we talk about vision, you need to be able to separate personal pain from divine purpose. Every time Kanita told me that she was getting ready to go to Kenya because God called her to missions. I'm listening. But that's a 20, how many hours should that flight, Mr. Tanisha? 16? But from, from here to England and all that, the total? Okay, so 16 hours over the water, basically. Going to a place where terrorism could break out anytime. I'm her dad. I hear what she said, God's purpose for my life. And I'm like, I don't want my baby on that plane. I don't want her going somewhere where terrorists can kill her. I don't even want her to go. Let me just be honest with you. We can send some tracks. They can, don't, they, don't they got podcasts? They can watch us on video and YouTube now. But she, she, if she listens to this sermon, she will never, she, there's never a time when I told her how I was really feeling. And really, I was operating out of fear because I couldn't control what was going to happen on that plane, what was going to happen when they got to Kenya. And I, what about Tanisha, too? She's getting on that plane. They're going all over the place. I'm like, man. But I was able to separate my pain from God's purpose because that's what matters most, the purpose of God, not what I want for my daughter. No, I didn't want, I didn't want none of my kids to leave. Thank God they're going now in terms of when, it was, when it's time for them to go as children. It's normal for children to grow up and leave. But my, I had to separate God's purpose for them from my personal pain, my personal preference. Are you able to do that when it comes to vision? Let me finish. I'm coming about done. Obey what you know God has already said. After uh, the, 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 he goes to Tyra, and the Bible says he finds some Christians there, and, and, they, and it says they told Paul through the Spirit not to go to Jerusalem. Through the Spirit, they're saying, God told me to tell you not to go to Jerusalem. You need discernment when somebody that's spiritual and loves you says, the Spirit told me. Now, the problem was, Paul already knew what God said. You must, he said, I am compelled to go where? To Jerusalem. He said, I've been called to reach the... So, so Paul, God had already spoken. So sometimes in discernment, you have to follow what God has already said versus what other people are saying. Amen. 
Now, why did they say the Spirit told them? Because the Spirit did tell them everywhere Paul went, he was reminded of the danger. They were told by the Spirit that Paul faced danger, but they, didn't, they were not directed by the Spirit to tell Paul to stay. That's our humanness. Obey what God has said. Do you know what God has already said to you? So you can say no, no, no. I know you care about me. I know you don't want me to leave this job. I know it's risky, but this is what the Holy Spirit is saying to me. Have you, have you grown up enough in the Lord to even know when God is speaking to you? Let me, let me, I'm almost done. Here's another thing that Paul had to do. Discernment. Remind fearful people that obeying God God's will is not an option. The Bible says that after Agabus took Paul's belt and he wrapped it around his own wrist and he wrapped it around his leg, he said, this is what's going to happen to you. And when the disciples heard that, they said, they, the Bible said they pleaded with him to persuade him not to go to Jerusalem. And then when they heard this, the Bible said, when they heard this, we all the people, they, were, they, were, they, they pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem in verse 13 in chapter 21. Then Paul answered it, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? For I, am all, for I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up. And we said, the Lord's will be done. You've got to be willing. There are a lot of people in the, in the faith that are really operating in fear when they tell you what you can't do, what you shouldn't try. And so you have to be ready to be loving and say, look, why are you? I appreciate your tears. I appreciate your concern. But I'm not only willing to go, I'm willing to die. Vision will give you that kind of commitment if God gave it. Here's the final thing. Pray as you obey the leading of the Holy Spirit. Each time Paul had to push away, people saying, no, don't go, because there's danger. The, the Bible says, and he prayed with them before he departed. So there's still this struggle. Paul knew the will of God, but as you are departing, because God said no, and you have to say yes, even though it makes no sense, even though you don't, you, you, you're not, Paul ultimately ends up in Rome, and he dies there as a martyr for the faith. He's executed. That was the outcome of Paul's life. Well, how was that victory? How, is the, how did the good guys win? The good guys win whenever we obey God. The good guys win when the Bible says, Paul said, I fought the good fight. I run the race. I've kept my faith. And he said, because I I did what God called me to do. There is prepared for me a crown, a crown, a crown of righteousness. Your ultimate reward is not going to be if you got the best paying job. If you live in the biggest house. If you have the most followers on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Or you, 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 done got, you done went viral on Tic Tac. You want to go viral in heaven that you were like, Paul, I am willing to die. I'm willing to stand. I'm willing to say that this is the call that God has on my life. And for God, I'm going to live. And for God, I'll die. Have you come to a place where you're willing to fully offer yourself? Are you all in? Are you all in? Are you all in? Let me, let me, let me give you some questions. Here's some questions. Write this down. When you're trying to decide, 
if you should say yes to people who are meaning, really have good intentions, here's some questions that you need to ask. What is God's assignment for my life? That's going into 2023. This is a question you need to ask. At this station in my life, at this season in my life, what is God's assignment for me? As long as you got breath in your body, there's work to be done. Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. You breathing, it's still day. What is God's assignment? Here's the second thing. How will my decision impact my ability to accomplish God's will for my life? If I do this, is this helping me to accomplish the will of God for my life, or is it hindering me? I want you to know that there are blessings that God has to withhold. There's growth that you are delaying. There are opportunities that you will never receive because what you are doing is not moving you towards vision. It's moving you towards separation and defeat. Here's the third. Will my decision glorify God? Does this glorify God? Do you evaluate your decisions Does this bring glory to God? Finally, I've already alluded to this. How bad do I want it? Don't be telling me you want, I want to just finally figure out what God wants me to do. Are you all in? Are you willing to push away your plate? Are you willing to get on your face before God? Are you willing to say, Lord, here are my plans, but I will, I'm, my plans mean nothing to me until I know what it is that you want me to do because I want to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Is that the heart, your heart's desire? Husbands, this year as you go into 2023, what's the vision for your family? How are you going to lead them? How are you going to cover your family spiritually? Well, I'm going to send them to church. God never told you to send your family to church. Singles, what is God's vision for your life? So that when you decide, who am I going to marry? And they say, well, I'm, God has called me to be a missionary. He said, that ain't, God didn't tell me that. So now you marry, well, God called me to be a pastor. What? No way I'm going to be a preacher's wife. I don't know if my wife chose me by vision or decision, but anyway, stand with me. You need to know what the vision of God is for your life. Make a commitment to ask God to show you what it is that he wants you to do, and that is where you are going to find fulfillment. And the Bible says, write it down, make it plain so that those who see it can run with it. And then the fourth thing says, and it shall come to pass. Write it down, make it clear, share it, and it will come to pass. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we're so grateful for your word. And Lord, I feel so inadequate to communicate about the power of vision. If it wasn't for vision, we would not have a New Testament church. If it had not been for obedience and discernment for Paul to say no because you said yes, he would have never left Miletus. He would have never left Tyra. He would have stayed right there, but he obeyed the vision. And because he obeyed the vision, there are churches all over the world that are being blessed by the vision that you gave to Paul. Now, oh God, may we recognize that our vision, you said where there's no vision, People will go astray. People will perish. People will cast off restraints. Father, even in our own families, without direction, 
our family will have generational confusion. Burden us today in Jesus' name, amen.